o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. Jim Davis along with Cake today in the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. This hour brought to you by Preston Lee, a country financial. He believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. So we had uh, Miles Coach Haber on last hour, Maverick football coach, talking about uh, the decision of Karst Hunter to lead the Maverick program. Also referencing uh, former Palisade Bulldog and Maverick wide receiver Sable Campbell, who also plans on leaving the program as well. But uh, just uh, I, I think in the case of Karst, like, what Miles told us that uh, wants to get back closer to home, South Dakota. And I think the way Gavin Herberg played the last two games, right? that there was going to be competition for the quarterback spot. And it wasn't going to be just, boom, here's the job. Plus, Karst has graduation coming up as well. And so I think there were some decisions to make about about his life and that maybe this was not the best situation for him to be in moving forward with with Gavin Herberg certainly you had to like what you if you're a Maverick fan what you saw in the last two games of the season not the Karst Hunter was chopped liver he had a no. sensational run as the Maverick quarterback the Armac freshman offensive player of the year honorable mention all Armac as well and it it sounded like from our conversation with Coach Coach Aver a few minutes ago that it seems like there is going to be a competition at quarterback this spring. Kiai Kioni, some of the other names they've got that might be coming in, we'll hear about maybe on signing day next week. Which we're going to have that show at the Blue Moon, 5 Wednesday. to 6 o'clock on Wednesday, signing day. And uh, if you, hopefully you can make it. But if you can't, please join us. Uh, we'll have Coach, Coach Aver and Trent Matthews, defensive coordinator, Tom Thanell, offensive coordinator down there. Greg Wenzel and myself will be there from 5 until 6 o'clock, but uh, they're going to have food and drink specials uh, throughout the evening at the Blue Moon downtown. So uh, Maverick fans, get out for that coming up on Wednesday. And not that they need any more promotion, but they've got some darn good chicken wings down there. <laughs> uh, the um, the tenderloin, to me. The tenderloin Ooh. is of um, legendary, uh, legendary uh, flavor an epic proportion in terms of the size of what you're getting. They got that mustard that goes on it, got the uh, onions, the pickles. Uh, the, the tenderloin to me is absolutely fantastic yeah. at Blue Moon. So yeah. um, anyway, chance to enjoy that. Yes. Coming up. <laughs> you, on okay? I'm good. I just, well, you know, didn't eat breakfast this morning, so we're you know. Make it, making it a little hungry this just morning. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, so text to call us. we got some thoughts on that uh, was, did last night fall into the load management category for the Nuggets? I don't think so. I think it's injury management, and I think it's very maybe overly cautious, but but nonetheless injury related management. I don't think. I think with Kawhi Leonard, and and I could be wrong, but I think with Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, it's he's a superstar in the NBA, and if he doesn't want to play more than sixty games in a season, he says, uh what are you going to do? Yeah. Make me. It's, Nicola went out last night, went through warm-up. Hamstring just wasn't feeling right. Okay. They planned on Murray sitting out last night, and he has played in back-to-backs. I think last Which I did night, not know. Last night, I don't think is, I believe that's what Katie Wingie said yesterday. He had played in at least one or two back-to-backs. And they want to be careful with 
obviously Jamal Murray's knee. Right. And so last night was an opportunity for him to to rest that knee a little bit. All right. So it's time to go around the NFL this morning. And uh, ESPN NFL insider Field Yates saying the Broncos have decided to let interim head coach Jerry Rossberg go. Remember, he was the interim coach replacing Nathaniel Hackett the final two games of the season where the Broncos lost a tough one at Kansas City, close game, and then, of course, got the win against the Chargers to end the season. And it's a little bit misleading, though, in terms of Rossberg, because we there was the, the story that came out that Rossberg met with the Broncos brass after the season ended. Right. Turned into a very lengthy conversation. Which I wasn't and, surprised to hear, but and they they were picking his brain and what he thought. I mean, why why wouldn't they pick the brain of Jerry Rossberg, who's been yeah. a coach in the league for you know, for over a couple of decades? Why wouldn't you get his input on what he thinks are the problems with his football team? And so that conversation turned into a rather lengthy one. And according to reports, Rossberg expressed interest in being the Broncos' head coach. And now there's the report that from field Yates that Rosberg yeah they've let him go but here's the thing they're letting essentially all the coaches you know they're they're under contract right but Rosberg was a guy they brought in in season was not on the staff to start the season remember they brought him in early on for the the game management aspects I was going to say they didn't even really bring him on as like a position coach or a special no. teams coach he was basically and I don't want to sound too pejorative when I say this, but he was basically Nathaniel Hackett's babysitter. And Ian Rappaport, the rap sheet from NFL Network, said that Rosberg was let go as part of a procedural move to terminate with an expiring contract. But it's not like the Broncos brass that nobody there likes him, that Rosberg no. isn't respected, that he's Quite actually the opposite. very well respected. And whoever comes in could very well want Jerry Rosberg on their staff. And hopefully a special teams coordinator. Exactly, where he's done a phenomenal job throughout his career. And the Broncos and so, need help. So it's a little misleading in that Broncos terminate Rosberg. There's no interest there. Well, they're, they're not interested in him as being the head coach. Which makes sense. Which I get it. He's, he's 67, but then again, they interviewed Jim Caldwell, and Jim Caldwell's roughly the same age. But then well, Jim Caldwell and, has also been a head coach in this league, and Jerry Rosberg's been a head coach in this league for two games. And then that's that's the rub, is whatever candidate is going to be out there for the Broncos has more than likely already been a head coach. And that's your Sean Paytons and your Dan Quinns and your Jim Caldwells of the world. Yeah, I, I just I just think it's, it's very misleading that Broncos... Terminate. Terminate Rosberg. Well, they ended the contract they had with him currently. It does not mean that he could that they it's going to preclude the Broncos going to keep them from yeah. from allowing him to from him coming back at all. This That's, seems this seems more like just like exactly like Rappaport said. It was it's a procedural move. It's sort of a you don't want to say a technicality, but it is part of this process and this process is i think taking longer than broncos fans care to admit they are patient they have, and nobody's accepting. hired anybody yet Nobody though, that's has, the thing it's now benjamin albright who we've had on the show a few times we had him on recently he yep. he said that he thinks the first coaching domino to fall will be relatively soon and he thinks it's carolina that makes some sense 
that they might be the first ones with a new hire. We don't know who. It seems like nobody knows who. And interviews might still be going on because some of the hot candidates are still in this week's conference championship games. D'Amico Ryan's in San Francisco. I don't know if Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City is still getting interviews or if he's even in consideration for any head coaching jobs this year. You know, some of those names are still popping up and around. And you got to wait until their seasons are done until you talk to them. So we'll see. Well, we had yesterday we had Cody Rourke on from Mile High Sports Radio. And one of the names that's starting to gain a lot of traction for the Broncos job is a name that of, of a guy that has not been a head coach before. And that's and that's the scary thing if you're the Broncos, if you're a Broncos fan, right? Broncos country, of hiring a fourth consecutive head coach that's never been a head coach. And the name, of course, we're talking about is D'Amico Ryans. A talented linebacker during his time as a player in the league has risen quickly in in terms of um, his uh, his brand name as you know, as far as being a hot coaching candidate. Yep. Uh, of course, is the guy that orchestrates the San Francisco 49ers defense right now for Kyle Shanahan, and that uh, D'Amico Ryan's not eligible for an interview because of San Francisco playing the NFC Championship game. But here's Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Radio, on uh, Ryan's being a hot commodity right now. I would even say that he's probably the hottest head coaching name in this coaching cycle right now, right? That's not named Sean Payton. You know, while Sean Payton is the hot commodity, D'Amico Ryan has to prove that he's worth a team giving him a chance to be a first-time head coach. So, um, D'Amico Ryan's David Shaw, former Stanford head coach. Yep, they seem to be a couple of the names that almost right now. I just this is once again this is just my feeling. I have no no basis in you don't have fact a dog on in this. this it's just exactly. Well, I, I got a dog because I'm a Broncos fan. But Fair. but anyway, but I don't. You don't have ownership stake. I don't. I don't have any anything to back this up. It's just a feeling that the Broncos aren't that interested in Dan Quinn. I just I just get that feeling that it's maybe it's what I've been reading and maybe I'm trying to read the tea leaves here that D'Amico Ryan's really impressed them. David Shaw has the connection to Condoleezza Rice mm-hmm. and the and the Penners as well. And I just get a feeling that those might be the top those might be secretly your top two guys. And that the Sean Payton, I think it's – I'm sure Sean Payton's interest is really there in anybody. And and so Dan Quinn, I, I don't I don't know. There just does – there seems to be a, a cooling of interest on him, at least from the Broncos standpoint. But then again, I say that, and I have nothing to back that up. They no. might just be absolutely enthralled with Dan Quinn and want you know Dan Quinn and Daryl Bevel to come in and – and Bevel has had success with Russ in the past, that that's the combination. There just seems to be a sense that they really like D'Amico Ryans a lot and Shaw's connection and Condoleezza Rice kind of endorsing him makes me feel like it's one of those two guys right now. And look, D'Amico Ryans did a sensational job. With the San Francisco defense. He did, and something that I think Cody even said in our conversation with him yesterday was that Robert Sala was the D.C. before D'Amico Ryans got there. Robert Sala takes a head coaching job. D- 
did a great job in San Francisco as the DC and is doing, I think, a, as good a job as he can in New York with everything going on at the quarterback spot. I mean, I mean, you saw but, what they, you know, what the Niners' defense did last weekend, and and that's what I was getting to is that D'Amico Ryan's took what was already a pretty good to great unit under Robert Sala and made it even better. You've got a guy in Joey Bosa who's going to probably win Defensive Player of the Year this year. A defense that, for the most part, is, you know, nothing to take away from Brock Purdy, but, I mean, that defense was a critical reason that they've been able to get to the NFC Championship game again. Niners love the league in yards and points allowed this season. They played 18 games, and no opposing rusher has more than 100 yards even come close. Josh Jacobs had 69 in Week 17. That's it. That's it. And then you go back to last year when Ryan's took over from Robert Sala, as you mentioned. I mean, last year when they faced the Cowboys in the playoffs, they smacked Dak around 14 times, picked him off, forced a fumble from him, and they did it without Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. And They're, I, they're two best defensive players. I need to correct myself. I might have said Joey Bosa. I meant Nick That's Bosa. okay. It's I, an easy mistake I to make. I always get those two confused. And then they played against the guy we're going to talk about coming up here in a moment. Guy we mentioned last hour. Rodgers! This guy double check. And they held the Packers to 10 points. Now I get the weather conditions weren't great, but hey, wins a win and you hold Rodgers and the Packers to 10 points, you've done something. And there seems to be a feeling about D'Amico Ryan's that he is very much the CEO, big picture kind of guy. And a guy, this is from the Athletic article about him, that this is Johnny Holland, who says, you remember sitting across from D'Amico Ryans at the 2006 NFL Scouting Combine and asking Ryans at that time who he thought the best linebacker on Alabama's defense was. And Holland at that time, 12th year in the league as an NFL assistant, First with the with the Houston Texans, that that Ryan's was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He was the best linebacker the the Crimson Tide had that year. Yeah. Except D'Amico Ryan's wouldn't say that. He kept talking about his fellow linebacker Freddie Roach and how good Roach was. And Holland said that impressed me. To me, that was the reflection of a true leader that he had lift up the other guys around him before he'd lift himself up. He wanted me to recognize the other linebacker so he could get drafted. That he's just that kind of guy. So, I mean, it sounds like he's a class guy. Don't know, other than knowing about the playing career, D'Amico Ryans. Right. Don't know a lot about him personally. He did meet with the Broncos on Thursday in the Bay Area as they're getting ready for their playoff game last weekend against the Cowboys. So we'll see. D'Amico Ryans might be be the guy that goes against you know goes I guess with the against the grain that we hope the Broncos have which is not hiring a first-time head coach right. might go with the grain in being a fourth consecutive first-year head coach the Broncos hire but there's certainly the sense that he will it will be a more veteran staff for D'Amico Ryans than what Nathaniel Hackett had around him to that point that you mentioned about a first-time head coach we got a text in from Brad guy Sorry, D'Amico Ryans, but Denver absolutely cannot hire someone without head coaching experience. If God himself <laughs> were available, they still cannot hire him. Whoa, whoa, pride guy. Woof. Whoa. Woof. Tough standards there. Wow. That's a high, high bar to set. Okay. 
We know that God's a Broncos fan, though, because we see those sunsets here in Colorado. I knew you were going to roll that out. Come on. Do you have have the bumper sticker on your car, too? God must be a Broncos fan because of the orange sunsets? I used to have a Broncos sticker on the back of my car, and then it faded out. and It it just was all white, and I'm like, okay, it's time to clean this off. All right, so... We, we don't know when second round of interviews are going to happen. No one maybe, knows. Maybe, maybe they already have their guy kind of identified. I don't I don't know. The, the longer I agree with those that say the longer this lasts, the less chance it's going to be Sean Payton. Because that's more time for him to go back to Fox or... Yeah. yeah it's... All right, a couple of quick things here before we play. Uh, who is it? Mentioned this last hour that there's a story that's out about and this is from the athletic that the jets could be a big time player in perhaps acquiring aaron Rodgers. hmm that that is a possibility that here's some things the jets have a lot of things to like star rookie receiver garrett wilson they have some problems. Shaky offensive line. Defense is good enough to get them to the playoffs, though. And that Rodgers may may like what's there around him. He's also close with Zach Wilson. And that Rodgers may embrace the idea, which I'm, I'm a little surprised about because it doesn't seem like he would be this kind of guy, embrace the idea of mentoring Zach Wilson. Because we all saw how that worked out so well for Jordan Love. And so those are... Those are things that Zach Rosenblatt has uh, put out as possible reasons why you might see a reenactment of the Brett Favre trade to the Jets for Aaron Rodgers and moving it, forward. And it would have to be a trade, right? Because I saw that yeah. Favre, or Favre, <laughs> Rodgers. Because he signed the contract extension. so And it's slated to make $60 million next year under that contract extension. One more thing from about Aaron Rodgers, who was on the Pat McAfee show, that he feels like he's been portrayed as a villain because of Big Pharma. And he told Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk on Tuesday, if you take the right soundbite from the right thing and it's a station that may or may not have in the past been brought to you by Pfizer, they got to make sure their villain gets cast in the correct light. And whether or not they're sponsored by Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson, whatever it might be, then you go up against some of those powers that might be, put yourself in the crosshairs, they're going to paint you in a certain way. And that's what the media did to me a couple of years ago. That's fine. That's their prerogative. That's what they wanted to do. How full of yourself do you have to be to think... That they're that Pfizer, whoever's paying checks to reporters to make you look bad. Come on, Aaron. Come on, man. That's 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 pretty paranoid. There's, there's a time and place. Also pretty self-important, too, to be quite honest. There's a time and place for conversations about how the media portrays athletes. Sure. And how they portray certain athletes. I'm looking at you, LeBron James. But this is not it. Yeah. This is not it. So as we get ready for uh, Sunday's AFC Championship game, a lot of concern about the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. That uh, all Andy Reid would say is that Mahomes will probably do everything in, in, in the day's practice 
But he added, we'll see. Well, Patrick Mahomes was a full participant on Wednesday. And you look at his numbers from the pocket. Say he can't run around and move around like he normally does. Right. Which we saw it did have an impact in the game against Jacksonville. His numbers from the pocket are really, really good. He's they're they're gonna be okay. They would they would certainly rather have a one hundred percent healthy Patrick Mahomes, but a sixty percent Patrick Mahomes or fifty five or whatever will be just fine. And they're gonna be okay coming up Sunday against Cincinnati. That's gonna be a heck of a game with the Chiefs and the Bengals. Rematch last year's AFC Championship game. Yep, right here on the team, along with the Niners and the Eagles as well. It all starts at noon. All right, it's time for Chance to win a case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. Must be 21 or older, and if you've won the last two weeks, sit it out. Who is it today? I am a former Major League pitcher who, in his debut, struck out 10 batters swinging and got a shutout. One of my many stops in my career was the Colorado Rockies, where from 1997 to 2001, I played 130 games, had a 53-48 win-loss, 749 strikeouts, and a 5-4-3 ERA. Those numbers are good enough to put me fifth on the career pitching list for the Rockies. I played for three NL West teams, debuting for one in 1992, and I have a World Series ring. Who is it? All right. So text in Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line 970-242-1340. It must be over 21. And if you won the last two weeks, please set it out. All right, this hour brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial. He believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team, joins us next on the Jim Davis Show. You're listening to the Jim Davis Show on the team, 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. With us right now, Maverick women's coach Taylor Wagner. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning. How you doing? Doing fine. I know that when we talked before uh, the game, uh, of course, going to, to Westminster on Tuesday, that you know it's about controlling your own destiny moving forward in regard to uh, the, the RMAC tournament, maybe moving up in the RMAC tournament. And unfortunately, that controlling your own destiny part uh, didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to with that loss at Westminster on Tuesday night. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry, I, I have to. I'm sorry. I hate to do it, but I have to. No, I mean it. Just we, we're right there, you know. We, we had a great first quarter. We came out, defended, and uh, then we just went cold. We could not hit a shot. You know, that affected, I think, our defense a little bit. In the second quarter, we, you know, they they scored twenty, we scored six, and we just dug ourselves a hole right there that we never really could get out of. And look, you had, of course, in that second quarter. I mean, the it in the first half with, with ten turnovers in the first half. Uh, you, you know, shot forty percent less in the the first quarter. I mean, just like you said, that that second quarter was just disastrous against the Griffins. Yeah, it really couldn't have got any worse. I mean, it was one of the worst quarters we probably played all year long. Uh, you know, they just, everything, we, we turned it over as shots. And, uh, you know, we gave up easy buckets for them. And so it, everything just was compounded in that. You know, we kind of lost, you know, and I, I really feel like at the end of the first quarter, there was seven seconds left. 
and uh, they have it at the baseline. They drive the whole length of the floor, and that was the start of the run. I mean, they they hit a layup on us at, right at the at the buzzer, and from that point on, we just never looked the same. And, and yeah, we didn't recover from that that shot. Uh, against a good Westminster team who shoots a high percentage, which they, you know, they shot their percentage uh, against us, and we didn't do anything to really kind of slow them down. What was the message at halftime? If you can give us the uh, the PG version, uh, just, we got to compete. You know, I mean, kind of, we've got to show up. You know, that's the biggest thing is basketball and athletics and everything. You know, there's highs, there's lows. The game is always a run of streaks, and and uh, you know we were I think we were at halftime. What were we three possessions out of it? You know it's not a huge hole, but you know we you've got to play with a little pride, especially against them. I mean this is this is a big game for them, and uh, you know we didn't respond with that. You you can see the energy that they had, uh, the sense of urgency they had to to win, and we just never responded after that first quarter cmu women's basketball coach taylor wagner with us on the team sports network you know trailing at halftime 33 25 and then you were down by nine as you went to the fourth quarter and you put together a little 11-0 run i mean there you didn't come all the way back came up short but i think there has to be some level of hey we had a horrible second quarter we dug ourselves a big hole at least this team responded to the fourth quarter and had a shot at trying to come back and, and win that basketball game. There was still still fight in your basketball team in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, I, I kind of remember we were shooting free throws and then we started pressing the last four minutes of the game and we, we got right back in it. And I think we cut it to three, three or four. And uh, then when we got to that point, we could not hit another shot. So. <laughs> You know, we missed a bunch of uh, open looks to even cut it a little bit closer. And then, you know, at the end, it kind of got down to, you know, we had to foul on everything. So, that, you know, we ended up losing by 10. But, you know, we, we were right there at the end. And, you know, and like I said, we, we get one more stop and another, you know, if you hit a three, the, the game's tied. And then it gets interesting. So, you know, they didn't give up in that fourth quarter. So I was, I was proud of that. But, you know, against these good teams, you, we've got to play better than, you know, I'd say we probably put together a good 12 minutes in that game, and that's not enough to to beat any of the good teams in, in our league. Olivia Reed had 15 points. Uh, Ledge team with the, the 15 points and 8 rebounds. She also uh, had a couple of blocks in that game. And maybe that's something we haven't talked about enough with her as a freshman what she's doing defensively because we, we know how great Kelsey Siemens was in that department, uh, perennial Armac shot block leader that that seems like that's part of, of Olivia's game that's developing. And is that, you know, that part of it on the defensive end? Yeah. I mean, she gets off the ground quick. She's long, she's athletic. Uh, I think she's even going to get a little bit more comfortable, you know, just understanding, uh, where she needs to be in positioning and, and then too, you get to know the, the tendencies of players that this is her first time playing everybody. So, you know, as the gears go on and you play girls a little bit more, you get used to what they like to do. And, and hopefully, you know, her, the block shots go up. And, I mean, she's re- rebounding phenomenally and hopefully she continues to do that well for us. Connor Mesa women's basketball coach, Taylor Wagner joining us on the team CMU sports network. 
and uh, you have Western Calvary University coming in on Saturday. Uh, Mountaineers have had a really difficult stretch. They have uh, uh, typically been a one of the you know strong programs in women's basketball in the in the RMAC. You have a great rivalry with them, but they have struggled as of late. Uh, Emory Wagstaff, though, has been been the one that's uh, kind of tried to to carry them out of this uh, recent losing streak. She was an averaging over twenty points per game during their last six games. Yeah, and, you know her last game she has a career high against Mines with 30 points. She's a special player because she can shoot threes, she can get to the rim, she's got a nice little pull-up, so she really can do everything on the floor. She handles the ball well, so that's something that we've got to really be aware of. You know, I don't think just one person can guard her. One's got to be able to to help on her because she can really get going. Wagstaff's a tremendous player offensively. Rachel Cockman for them. We're talking about shot blocking Olivia Reed. Cockman has uh, been uh, one of the better shot blockers in the conference. Uh, Taylor, she's currently third in that category. So interior defense, it's pretty tough with uh, Rachel Cockman for the Mountaineers. Yeah, she's a physical player. And she's kind of like Olivia. She's kind of long. And she might be a, a little bigger, but uh, I, I think she does a great job. And I just She's physical and just she likes getting down there and doing, and doing the dirty work and does a great job on both sides of the ball, too. I mean, she's their second leading scorer, so she can really get it going on the block and, and uh, has great moves. So I think those two, you know, we really got to do a great job and can't let them get too many easy buckets. Wrap it up with this question. You've been on the road the last couple of weekends. How important is it to get back home to Brownson Arena, where you guys normally play so well? Yeah, I think I think it's really huge. We just haven't shot the ball well, and I don't. You know, is that being in different gyms? Is that just being youth? You know, the young team. So I'm I'm excited. You know, our uh, students are back, and so hopefully it's a big game, and, and people come out and support it. And, and Westerns, I mean, they've lost a few games, but every game they're in it. You know, they're they're losing by one or two possessions. And, I know mine's got them by a little bit more, but every every other game, you know, the eight previous, they're they're right there, and so it's going to be a tough physical game. We've got to respond. And Taylor, we appreciate it. We'll have the game this Saturday on the Team CMU Sports Network women's pregame at five fifteen, tip at five thirty, minutes seven thirty on Saturday night for the Mavericks and Western Colorado University at Brownson Arena. Taylor, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on today. You bet. Thank you. And I'm sorry I had to bring that up. I feel bad. No, you're good. That, we need to. <laughs> well, you need to come maybe and talk uh, to our team at practice today, too. <laughs> uh, no, I, no you, you've got that covered. You don't... I got that covered. You okay. got that covered. I don't... I've, I've heard some of your your speeches at practice. You got that covered, man. You don't need me at all. All right. All right. Thanks a bunch. Hey, you take care. Appreciate it. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't need me to come in and, and talk to his team. Doesn't, doesn't need I, you to give the rah-rah. I would just mess it up. I would just totally mess it up for Taylor uh, and, and Hannah Pollard as well. All right, it's time to talk a little CU men's basketball with Mark Johnson. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, well, on, tonight on the Team Sports Network, we'll have the buffs at Oregon. Pre-game at 6.30, Mark Johnson joins us from Eugene. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Jim, good morning. How are things in beautiful Eugene, Oregon today, sir? Uh, you know, I actually haven't looked at the, uh, the window yet to say, it looks like it's cloudy out there. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's Oregon. Come on. Of course it's cloudy, right? I know. This time of year, you kind of expect that when you're up here. 
Well, uh, for the the Buffalo's men's basketball team, uh, coming off that uh, that win against Washington State, uh, Tristan De Silva uh, played well in that one, twenty seven points, get the fifty eight fifty five victory, and now back on the road, trying to kind of get you know get some traction once again in Pac twelve play, taking on Oregon tonight. Yeah, facing a team that's kind of in the same boat the Buffaloes are, kind of been up and down. I mean, you know. Their, their record's very close, although uh, Oregon's record in Pac-12 plays a little bit better. But, uh, you know, they just they had a win over Arizona. Colorado's had a win over Tennessee. They've had bad losses. Colorado's had bad losses. So, uh, you know, one of those ball games where, you know, somebody's got to get it right tonight. But, you know, uh, it wasn't one of January 5th, I think it was, when Colorado beat Oregon by 27 back home. And, I mean, shut down their, their two big guns. And so we'll see if they can duplicate that on the road, which has not been a friendly place for Colorado. And Tad said it a while back, Tad Boyle, Buffs coach, about this team being Jekyll and Hyde. And they kind of continued that with the games against Washington and Washington State, did they not? Oh, without question. Yeah, it, it's it's bizarre. I, you know, here we are generally when in this time of a season, when you're getting close to you know flipping into the calendar into February, you're starting to get a pretty good sense of the team and what they're all about. And I, I, I can't get my head around this squad for the very reasons you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's up and down. They come out and are just phenomenal against some teams and play with great energy and sharpness and crispness and you know and, and uh, rebound well and, and on down the line and, and then the next ball game they come out and just kind of go through the motions and it's it's perplexing i mean they, they actually did that to be honest with you for maybe the first uh, five six seven minutes against wazoo last week and i thought you can't tell me they're going to get they're going to get swept at home, really? Because Washington State's pretty darn talented. Well, you don't go into Arizona and beat, uh, you know, the uh, Cats like like Washington State did, not be talented. And, and then the Buffs kind of woke up. And uh, you know, I was joking with Tan the other day. I said, you know, you need to call Doctor Phil, man. Someone's got to figure this team out between years because, you know, it's this is not an X's and O's thing. It's it's uh, it's what's going on upstairs, and, and it's very perplexing at times. I could I could see now a Doctor Phil spinoff. He had what the Doctor Phil House. Dr. Yeah. Phil goes to different college football teams, college basketball teams, like the Buffs, and sits down and talks with them. I think, Mark, you just might have created a new opportunity for Dr. Phil that he is not aware of yet. Well, don't you think, you know, I, I said this on the air the other night. I always think back to that great scene in The Natural. Remember that the doctor would come in? Losing is a disease. It's like syphilis. And, you know, <laughs> and, and finally, uh, you know, Robert Redford gets up and walks out of the room because the guy gives the same speech every time, just changes the disease. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's just kind of what I envisioned uh, this, this program maybe being like. Yeah, Dr. Phil coming in. Gosh darn it, you know, you got to row for the shore sometimes. And you got to, you know, you got to pray, but you still got to row for the shore. You got to do that. You got to, gosh darn it, you got to do that. Exactly, yeah. 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 I, I, well, maybe we can maybe combine the two. We'll have Dr. Phil with that unique uh, kind of style of speaking that he has. We'll have him do the same speech from the natural. He can change the disease every time as well. It would be, be kind of entertaining. It could, it could be canker sores or it can be, you exactly. know, exactly. What, what, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Fill in the blank disease. Mark Johnson joining us today from uh, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, we'll have the bus and the, the Ducks tonight on the team pregame at 6.30. And uh, for uh, Oregon, uh, Will Richardson, a uh, talented player for them. He's been uh, their top scorer. So uh, what's he like we talked about before when Colorado took care of Oregon the last time? Got to take care of Will Richardson tonight. Oh, he's he's very good, and he's one of those guys. that Seems like he's been there forever, right? I mean, uh, but you know, he, he averaged about sixteen, seventeen points per ball game. You know, the Buffaloes held him to five last time they played him, uh, and, and you know, in Folly Dante, they only had two, so they they really held those two in check. But uh, Will Richardson, I think, is one of the best all around players 
uh, in, in the Pac-12, and, and he can be a great challenge. And, you know, the good news is, uh, you know, from a defensive standpoint, uh, I was talking to in fact, I was here with the trainer when, when we fly, and last night I was talking to Raleigh, and I said, hey, how did, how did uh, uh, Jalen Gabadon come through playing for the first time at about a half dozen games against Washington State? He said, actually, very, very well. And so, so uh, he's a guy that can go out there and, and guard Will Richardson, you know, about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six type guy. And so uh, that'll be good tonight. And I, I think Jalen's, you know, leadership and him being a graduate transfer, you know, he really adds a lot in that regard. But that, that should be an interesting matchup there tonight, I think, with Will Richardson because he's a very good player. Hey, Mark, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll have the game tonight. Mark will have the call. Well, Scott Wilkie, uh, Buffs at Oregon tonight, pregame at 630 on the Team Sports Network. I always appreciate it, my friend. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Mark Johnson, Voice of the Buffalo, is joining us from uh, Eugene, Oregon today. All right, 840. We'll have our Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Athlete of the Week coming up in just a few minutes. Let's quickly hop into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, first down. Found out that uh, Bill O'Brien is going to be the uh, go back to the New England Patriots, be their offensive coordinator. And some of that stems with Mac Jones having issues with offensive assistant Matt Patricia during several occasions during the season. Also reports that Mac Jones didn't exactly always get along great with Joe Judge. Remember one time Giants head coach Joe Judge oh, yeah. was with the Patriots previously and that uh, Mac Jones and Joe Judge also butted heads quite frequently so they're hoping that Bill O'Brien can come in and restore some order on the offensive side for the New England Patriots. Speaking of people losing their minds, second down, guy that typically is a I think a fairly calm guy and that's Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors that uh, Steph Curry ejected late in the Warriors 122 to 121 over Memphis. Oof. Because he chucked his mouthpiece. Hey. That Curry wanted the balls upset over Jordan Poole's shot after the shot attempt. Curry was so frustrated, he threw his mouthpiece. And he got ejected since players are not allowed to throw anything into the stands. The mouthpiece happened to go into the crowd. Well, at least he didn't punch Jordan Poole <laughs> like his teammate Draymond Green did. Exactly. He just wanted to throw something at him. All but- right. Third and fourth down. Quick programming note before we get to third and fourth down. If uh, Mr. Watson at Fruto would call back because some moron over here accidentally hit the drop button and not the hold button. Don't know who that is, but if I find out, I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to have a little talk with that guy, too, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Okay, uh, third down. Pro Football Talk put out a poll asking if the conference championships should be played Sunday and Monday instead of just on Sunday. No. Just no. No, this doesn't need to be a thing. We don't need to have the conference championship game on a Monday. Stop it. No, no, no. And they're both on Sunday. Get out of the way. We're done. Fourth down. That's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. uh, Fourth down, I I don't have the audio in front of me, but ESPN's Bomani Jones was on Late Night with Seth Meyers and might have accidentally confessed to looking for drugs on the dark web. What, what, what? He was trying to explain the downfall of cryptocurrency and FTX Arena and all the mess that came with that. And he said something about how he was looking at a website called Silk Road, which is a dark web website, apparently where, as he said, drug dealers might go. <laughs> what were you doing there, Bamani? Well, what's, what's up with that, Bamani? Might need to go watch the full clip for the full context, but... Okay. There you are. 
All right. That is a very interesting conclusion to four down territory. Uh, do we have a winner today for who is it? We don't even have a guess yet. Not even a guess? No. Oh, come on, Pile. What's wrong with you? Who is it? Go ahead and do it again. All right. Uh, former Major League I, who is it, is a former me- former Major League pitcher. In his debut, struck out 10 batters swinging and got a shutout. One of my many stops in my career was the Colorado Rockies, playing from 1997 to 2001, where I recorded 749 strikeouts and a 5.43 ERA, which is good for fifth best on the career pitching list for the Rockies. I played for three NL West teams, debuting for one of them in 1992, and I have a World Series ring. All right, so Pile first correct answer wins a case of New Belgium beer from High Country Beverage. Text your answer in to the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and hopefully we'll have our Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Athlete of the Week if some knucklehead doesn't hang up on them again. Please. Swear to God. But he's a likable knucklehead, so it's okay. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's the Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Prep Athlete of the Week on the team. And it's time for our Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Prep Athlete of the Week. She's a sophomore for the Fertile Monument Wildcats girls basketball team. 16 points in the win against Battle Mountain. 14 in a big opening league win against Montrose on Tuesday night. Liv Campbell joins us from the Fruit of Monument Wildcats. Liv, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've uh, been a great stretch for not just uh, you, but your basketball team as well. You get that uh, opening league win against Montrose on Tuesday night. You had 14 points in that game. You're the defending league champions and so, I mean, the, the pressure is there for you guys to defend that league title and get off to a good start at Montrose with that win on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, it was a good win. Montrose is a tough team. We definitely had to work really hard that game. And I think that we're just keeping in mind our team goal this year, and that's to, you know, carry on the stretch of winning league. So. Yeah, the Wildcats have won the Southwestern League Championship six out of the last seven years. So, I mean, Liv, there's, there's pressure on, on this team to hold up uh, not just the League Championship from last year, but those previous years. There's a, there's a legacy, kind of an expectation for this program, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on us, but I think that if we just keep our heads down and work hard and focus on our goal, then we'll be good. Liv Campbell, sophomore for the Fruit of Monument girls basketball team, joining us. Uh, Wildcats uh, off to that 1-0 start in league play. And Liv, 12-3 uh, and overall right now. Let's talk about how your season's gone, because last year as a freshman, uh, you had a, a sensational uh, start to your varsity career last year, averaging in, in double figures. This year, you're third in the, uh, in the Southwestern League in scoring right now, right around 14 points per game. Where do you feel like your game has improved the most from last year to this year, in your second year as a varsity player? Um, I think last year, uh, it was kind of, it took me a little bit to get used to the program and the philosophy and just even used to the competition at this level. And I think this year, I've kind of taken on a role of being more confident with the ball and having um, my teammates like Trinity and Savannah, who I've played with since I was in fourth grade, having them on my team is super helpful. Like, they help me all the time. They're super uh, 
inspirational and encouraging. So it's nice having them on my team. And I think they're one of the main reasons for my growth this year. What about on, on the defensive end of the floor? Do you feel like that's an area that you've improved upon, or is that an area you've always put a lot of emphasis on and being a, a good defensive basketball player? Um, I think I have one of my main goals from this summer was to improve on my fouling. And I think so far I've done a pretty good job with keeping it low. My dad's always pushed defense, so it's kind of, it kind of runs in the family. And your dad's coached a lot of youth basketball. And uh, should mention your your brother Nicholas plays at Palisade. Your your older brothers played uh, football, played multiple sports at, at Palisade as well. And so, I mean, there's kind of a, a Campbell family expectation, right, of of uh, of being a you know obviously an outstanding uh, high school player, but also getting that chance to go out and play college sports because that's happened for your your older brothers. Yeah, my older brothers have always been inspirations to me, and I have always looked up to them. They've always pushed me around a little bit, but yeah. So right now, okay, who's the best basketball player in the Campbell family? I mean, if you went out and played, you know, like like Sabo or played Cam, played one of your older brothers, could you beat them? Would you hang with them? Would they have a shot? Would Liv Campbell just take them to school? Honestly, if I played any of them, I don't think they'd have a shot. But that's kind of what I think too. I, I do. I think so as well. Yeah, and I think if you played your dad, I think you'd kick your dad's butt too. To be quite honest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your mom? I don't know. I think your mom. That might be. Might be a tough matchup. I just, I just get that feeling, you know, knowing your mom a little bit, that that might be, that might be a tougher matchup. Liv Campbell joining us today. That'd be kind of a unique experience when your brother's team, brother, as I mentioned, Nicholas plays for Palisade, played the Fruit of Monument boys last week. You played against the Palisade girls. That, that had to be kind of a unique experience watching your brother play against, uh, you know, people that, you know, guys you go to high school with at Fruit of Monument. That had to be a unique experience. Yeah, it was, um, Funny, my family was sitting on the sidelines, and they had their Palisade shirts under their Fruita ones. So after my game, they all switched into their <laughs> Palisade gear. Yeah, Campbell family with some some split loyalties there, but at least you know, at least it's not like uh, Nicholas is your sister, and you had to play against uh, your sister or anything like that. So it made it a little bit easier with him playing against the boys. We have Liv Campbell of the Fruita Monument Wildcats girls basketball team with us. You mentioned making the adjustment last year, Liv. To playing varsity basketball, playing for Michael Wells, and this year it's it's Jeff Johnson. Uh, how different has that been? I mean, the success has certainly been there, twelve and three, like it was last year for uh, for this team under Coach Wells. How difficult has it been for you to to make the change to to Jeff Johnson this year? Um, it was sad to see Coach Wells leave, but the coaching staff, the new coaching staff this, this year, has done a great job. We've really pushed uh, defense finding our identity as a team, and I think it's been helpful to have Vanna back just to have that kind of familiar face around. But the coaching staff has done a really good job this year. Yeah, you mentioned Mark Vanna, who's been coaching this Valley forever. And uh, you know, Mark, yeah, kind of that, that continuity. What, what does Coach Vanna mean to you, a guy like you said that to carry over from last year's staff? Coach Vanna, he's like, he's like my grandpa almost. I love Coach Vanna. He's someone I can talk to about anything. He's always there for me. He knows how to help me when I'm down, and he knows when he knows when to yell at me, when to push me, and then just when to be there for me and calm me down. Yeah, class guy, Coach Vanna. No doubt about that. Uh, we're talking with Liv Campbell, the Fruit of Monument Wildcats girls basketball team, 12-3 and on the season. They're, they're 1-0 in Southwestern League play. And uh, for you, Liv, uh, very quickly, here, let's, let's step off the court for a moment. Who's your favorite teacher that you have right now? 
out at Fruta? Oh, my favorite teacher that I have right now would probably be Miss Compton. Okay. Why do you like Miss Compton? What's good about her class? What's good about her? So I'm in team sports with her. Obviously, I love sports. It's a great class. But it's kind of a release from all the stress of school just to be able to go to her class and have some fun. What's the toughest class you have right now? Probably pre-calc. And who's your teacher for that? Miss George. Okay. Is it just, does she make it tough or is it just the subject matter is tough for you? Because I'll be honest, going to, I went to high school at Fruit of Monument. I could have gone to high school anywhere. Math was always really hard for me, unless it was somehow sports related. So that made it easier for me to figure out for some reason. But but is it just because she's so tough? She's such a tough teacher and expects so much? Or is it just like me? I'm not. Are you like me in that regard? You're just not that great at math. Well, she's a, she's a great teacher and she helps me a lot. It's just new material. Sometimes takes a little longer to get, but it's going pretty well so far. Well, Liv, I'll say this. You're already better at math than me because you're taking calculus because I, I don't think I ever could have got through anything calculus-wise. I was, like I said, absolutely horrible at math. I might have been the worst math student in the history of Fruit of Monument High School back in the day. So I'm glad that you're, you're having better luck with that than, than me. So who is the player on your team that kind of, uh, I guess, cracks everybody up, keeps things kind of loose, practice, locker room, maybe on a bus trip, is, is there a player on the team or a couple of players that kind of keep the, the mood loose? Uh, Savannah Turner, man, she, everyone could be having the worst practice ever, and Savannah would say or do one thing, and then like it's like snap of a finger, everyone's back to laughing, everyone's in a good mood. She just has that, but she's so funny, she has a light heart, she's great. So who's the, the player on the team that pushes everybody the most? that has the biggest expectations of everybody else? I would say um, Trinity Hafey and Addie Ayer. They're, they're, they're both super focused and super hardworking, and they always want what's best for the team. And they don't just want to make themselves better. They also want to make the team better. All right, Liv. Well, congratulations on being our Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Athlete of the Week. Uh, Well-deserved and uh Best of luck going the rest of the way throughout the course of the, the rest of the regular season, of course, into the postseason as well. We appreciate the time, and tell your mom and dad I said hi. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Liv Campbell, Fruit of Mind Wildcats basketball player. And today, of course, uh, Scotty's Complete Car Care Center brings you our Prep Athlete of the Week. Stop by Scotty's Complete Car Care Center today, 437 Pitkin Avenue. Whether you're having problems with your heater, your radiator, your transmission, they can take care of it. Hence the name, Scotty's Complete Car Care Center. Call them at 970-245-0101 or stop by 437 Pitkin Avenue here in Grand Junction. All right, Hour 3 coming up next on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.